you know, as Christians, we have to understand and, and be real with where we are. That's what we have to see first, individually. And what where our mindset is and what we desire. Airing the Addisons. I think what God is really calling us back to, it's those individual personal revivals in our own lives where we're like, oh Lord, what have we done? We have minimized you. Promoting truth, wisdom, and empowerment. As the church, man, we should be on the forefront yes. of making disciples, of indoctrination and godly things. If we don't train our kids, they will not be able to stand. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Erin Addison's. On American Family Radio, thank you so much for listening. Um, it's Monday. Yes, Monday. It's great to... Is it, is it weird that I feel like I miss this family when we're away? I don't know. Like, it's... <laughs> I, I understand yeah. that this is a radio program, and I understand that there are many, many of our listeners mm-hmm. that I have never met in person Right. But I feel like I know our listeners. Like, I, I feel like I know the people who, um, you know, we're standing shoulder to shoulder with. And yeah. so when we are away, I kind of kind of miss you people. <laughs> Is that no, weird? That's perfectly fine. That's not weird at okay, all. Thanks. Yeah. I just need to know that I'm normal. No, you're good. All right. We um, man, we've got a great show um, a program. Somebody wrote in and said, I don't like when you call it a show. <laughs> it seems like it's a performance. I would prefer when you call it. I would prefer that you call it a program. When you say program, it's it's more in line with what you're actually doing. You're not performing. And so so every now and again, I will say show, but I don't mean I'm not trying to be contrary. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's just a habit. I think most people understand that. Program today's yeah. program <laughs> sponsored brought by the to letter. you. No. Yeah, that's right. That's it. Oh man. Anyways, um, <laughs> all right. So we're going to talk about the church, the manifold wisdom of God that's revealed in the church, and why it's so important. It is so important for us to understand what God was doing mm. in um, the formation of the church. And my goodness, we're going to have a conversation about this: the important role um, that pastors play in equipping the saints for the work of ministry and what we're facing in our culture today. And we're going to take a specific look at um, a church in North Dallas. And man, we were there uh, this past weekend, a little mm-hmm. bit more weekend and some change. Um, but it was just a wonderful time. And to be able to practically see what God calls um, men to do who oversee um, their local congregations or yeah. the Lord's congregation, right. But they're installed there locally mm-hmm. uh, to oversee it. And so we want to have a conversation with that. So Pastor Taren Dames is uh, joining us today. I want to just call him Taryn because mm-hmm. I'm I like New Orleanians are lazy <laughs> in our communication. We don't like anything that has like an accent to it. You know what I mean? Like it's Taryn. Although we have an accent. so We do have an accent. <laughs> we don't like other accents. I just, but I just feel like I feel like Taryn is kind of like, you know, upper crust. I, I just want to be like Taryn. Like Pastor Taryn Dames, but it's not. It's Taryn. And so Pastor Dames, which will make things easier. Pastor Dames is going to join us in the second segment. We're going to talk about what the Lord has burdened his heart to do as the pastor of North Dallas Community Bible Fellowship in uh, North Dallas, Texas. And and man, I'm, I'm excited because uh, we have the opportunity to just observe what's happening mm. in that congregation. And boy, was it encouraging. Yes. And so I think that's going to be encouraging to our listeners and hopefully to other pastors who are listening, um, you know, the questions that are here and that are obvious, you mm-hmm. know, should the church be tackling these cultural issues intentionally? How do we handle the question of discipleship and the fact that we are sorely lacking 
in this area. So we're going to talk about that, among other things, yeah. uh, in the second and third segments. Hopefully our listeners will be able to stick around for that. But before we get into uh, some of the discussion in this first segment, there are some things we need to let our listeners know about. Yeah, quite a few announcements here. First announcement is, as always, you can email us at addisons at AFR.net, addisons at AFR.net. I just want to say thank you to the people who email and have different comments. We appreciate that. Uh, you can follow us on Facebook and YouTube. Uh, just search Airing the Addisons. You can also watch this broadcast live on our Facebook page and on our YouTube channel. Uh, also, we have the Marriage Family Life uh, Date Night. The last one is coming up in Little Rock, Arkansas, on November night. And you can get all the details about this date night if you go to marriagefamilylife.net, marriagefamilylife.net. Right on the front page, when you see the, the graphic there, just click register or more information, I think it says, and it'll take you to where you need to register. We need you to register. So that we know how many people are coming. So that's right. It's a free event. It's a free but event. But we do need to have a head count. Yes. We need to know how many people yes. are going to be there. Yes. And just like you, I heard the commercial right, right before the show, but if you haven't heard, AFA has uh, streaming that's coming. And the launch will be actually next Monday. And Yay. so, yes, that's something to be looking out for. We always talk about how people uh, and how this culture is trying to cancel you know, the voice of, of Christians and, and conservatives. Well, AFA has its own streaming, so we cannot be canceled any longer. And so anyone will be able to create an account and stream limited content for free, but great commission partners for those who make a monthly donation of any amount will have unlimited access to all content on the platform. So you'll be able to catch at some point all of the shows and the different documentaries and all the things that are available for, uh, from us. You can see that on the streaming. Also, let's see here in my papers. We have, <laughs> what, what are you laughing at? Nothing. Go what ahead. are you laughing at? Okay. We have our uh, uh, <laughs> national collection week coming up for Operation Christmas Child. Oh, yay. This is a great time. It's of the year, fun. Right? Yeah. This man, is so much so fun. We do oh, this man. every year. And mm-hmm. I'm, when I say us, I mean us, Addisons. The Addisons, <laughs> our family. Man, we enjoy yeah. it. We it it is it is fun. Um, it is fun to to shop for other people. Mm-hmm. It is fun to uh, put together packages and try to imagine um, just the wonder and the awe and the appreciation, the gratitude of these kids that we may never meet here, right? Yeah. Right. Um, but we'll be blessed by us just doing something as simple as stuffing a shoebox. I mean, it, yeah. it, it, it's amazing um, the impact and the outreach of, of this um, from uh, through Samaritan's Purse. Yes, go ahead. It's, it's good to do it as a family, be able to, like, you know, give gifts to others, you know, people that you, you don't know that you may never meet. But, man, this is an awesome thing. But if you want to be involved in that, just visit SamaritansPurse.org slash OCC. Uh, you can learn more about how to do so and where there's a drop off uh, facility where you can go and, and, and uh, drop the packages off the, the shoe boxes. And so that's a great thing. We always have a lot of fun doing that. I guess the highlight of that was the one time we were on a trip and we went to this church. Remember that? Oh man. Yes, I do. Yeah. yeah. It, it was just a great time, you know, and they prayed for us and we prayed, and, you know, we, <gasps> it, it was just good. It's the it family of God, you know, in so many different locations like this, yes. that, it, it became a, a living example for our kids to be able to see. We packed shoe boxes and then went on vacation right. and we brought the shoe boxes with us down to Florida. Yeah. And so then once we got there, we had to do a search for a drop off site. 
and, and we found this church, church in yeah. the Spanish-speaking church. Yes, and, Spanish oh, church. my goodness, it was just amazing. Yeah. We had such a great cool. time. It, it, it's, man, the manifold wisdom of God, which is what we're going to talk about, um, yes. revealed in the church. And yes. so, anyway, um, if, if you have not participated in stuffing shoeboxes with your family or if you've not done it as an individual, it is something that I highly recommend that you do. And because there are several ways that you can do it, um, I think it makes it easier for people who maybe just like to do things online. Like there are some people who just prefer so you can uh, virtually stuff mm. a shoebox, if you will. You can mm-hmm. buy the items online, put it in a shoebox and and have all of that taken care of. Or you can physically stuff one, which I think is a lot of fun. We've done both. Mm. We've done both. Um, I prefer stuffing shoeboxes. Yeah. I do. Yeah. I don't know. I I prefer getting the items with the kids. I prefer sitting down and just having them, um, you know, put things in boxes and, and I don't know. And just That's really imagine like who's going to get this box. So right. anyway, but you can do both. We've done both. One, one is fun. In my opinion, <laughs> the other is more fun. So anyways. Um, all right. Um, man, this is not related to anything mm-hmm. that uh, we're going to talk about today, but just this uh, fun little story behind the scenes peek inside the Addison family. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, it, because this is Aaron, the Addison's I, I was thinking, just a few moments ago, like before we started this this program, before we started the program, um, you think that when you leave high school, for those of us who attended a high school, traditional high school, yeah, you think that when you leave high school, um, the you know the insecurities and all of the things that you know we get concerned about being in high school. You remember those high yeah. school days oh, where yeah. you're just like kind of like not sure, like mm-hmm. is this okay? Can I wear this? Is just you know you think that that's all over once you leave high school, and then you have kids who are like teens and preteens, yeah, and you realize that they can snap you back to like high school in a second. So just a few moments ago, <laughs> just a few moments ago, mm-hmm. I was talking to um, the kids, the big three, yes. And one of the big three, the 11 year old, uh, JD said, so I love, I love visors. I just do like it it probably is because I have big hair and a lot of it. And it's, it's just (laughs) nice to be able for it, you know, to breathe a little bit. Right. So I love, I love visors. Um, JD said, mom, do you, do you really like visors? (laughs) Now, I've never said to him that I like visors. I just wear them often, right? Yeah. And I said, yeah, I do. And he goes, Ugh. Wow. I just, I don't, I just don't know, mom. It just looks so weird. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> hold on a second. What are you, like, hold on. What are you talking about? Uh, and to say nothing to the fact that we're about to stream video too. Like, you know, that's not right, the right, thought right. you want going through your mind is you're like, it just looks so weird. <laughs> and so then Gabby's like, you know, I mean, it's it's just it's like you pay full price for half a hat. <laughs> Whoa, wait, y'all y'all have put some thought into this, you know. And so so I had to say to them. So we had this whole conversation. So I had to say to them, I am confident in who I am and what I like, and I like visors. And you guys will not sway me, like you. I'm you know. And so and then and then I said. Do you guys understand that this is how culture like just runs in one direction because somebody says something <laughs> and then people start to doubt? They're like, I don't know. Maybe we shouldn't. So I'm like, every day this week, I'm going to wear a visor. <laughs> like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go searching through and see what kind of half a hat oh, I have that I can, you know, anyway. But I was like thinking, man, funny. they really put a lot of thought into um, <laughs> bullying me. 
That's, I mean, that's basically what it was. Anyways, no, I'm just kidding. All right. So today we're talking about the church and we're yes. talking about the manifold wisdom of God. I was so encouraged um, um, having the opportunity to spend some time with our brothers and sisters in North Dallas and uh, to see what pa- what Pastor Dames is doing at his uh, local congregation and how mm-hmm. the entire body of believers have really rallied around this vision that the Lord has given him um, to restore discipleship to the church. Like, it's amazing how we kind of allow for the focus of the church to change over time, right? Mm -hmm. To where it almost kind of becomes revolutionary for us to begin to shape um, one another or to be sharpened by one another and even tackle cultural issues because we have misunderstood the purpose of the church, right? Like we have almost sort of adopted this, um, that the ministry of the church is just the, the meetings, yeah. right? But that actually is not true according right. to scripture. Like if you look at it, that the purpose of the church is to equip the saints for the work of ministry, Amen. to ready them for the work of ministry. Amen. And so this means that wherever we go, like wherever we are dispatched, we are supposed to be going out and carrying out the ministry that the Lord has called us to. And the church mm-hmm. is supposed to be equipping us. But somehow, and I'm, I'm interested to hear your take on this too, mm-hmm. Will Grace, somehow we've gotten to the place where we think that just going to church, that that is the ministry. That's, that is the work of the church how yeah. how did we get to this place man <laughs> i think it's i think it's through um, many different many different ways like i i think the culture that we live we live in has something to say about that i think because that has infiltrated the way that we do almost everything and so to be able to uh do something and have that seem like you're really doing what is the most important thing is part of, I think it's part of the culture. Like for instance, you know, for me to have perfect attendance, you know, in, in church or in school, that was supposed, that was a thing that was like, man, I'm, I'm there. So I'm, I'm being this and I'm doing this. I I feel like some of the same way in our culture, those things have bled over into the church where, you know, it's more about doing, it's more about like, you know, what we, can show that what we just we, show up that we just show up that's the important yeah. thing rather than being the church who mm. god called for us to be and i think that's one of the main reasons the church is in the state that it's in because we go to church but we don't we, we're not being the church and when mm. we and the call is to be the church in this culture and i think that's what we have to get that's what we have to get to that's the perfect setup for where we're going to go in the next couple segments when we get back we are going to discuss what that actually looks like and what Pastor Dames is doing in North Dallas. So stay right there. Welcome back to Aaron the Addisons on American Family Radio. We really do appreciate you listening. I am, um, I'm Miki. <laughs> you are sorry and I'm I, I mean I think so <laughs> and I'm Will and that's the murals with friend of mine I want to jump right into our conversation because I know that um, after spending the weekend with this family man <laughs> I, I know that we're going to run out of time we're not going to get a whole lot of discussion in because there is much to say mm. about um, several areas that we're going to discuss today but joining us uh, live and direct from the great metropolis <laughs> North Dallas <laughs> yes. Pastor Teren Dames 
I want to say Terran Dames because I'm lazy like that, but it's not. It's got a little flair to it. It's got a it's got a little upper crust to it. It's Terran. <laughs> Pastor Dames, how are you recovering from the Disciple Man. Life Conference just this past weekend? Well, um, I had to get right back up and homeschool starts. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That is absolutely right. Okay, so would you please introduce yourself to our listening audience? Uh, Tell our listeners how long you've been pastoring, um, where you pastor, and um, then I want to kind of go from there into the vision that the Lord has given you for North Dallas Community Bible Fellowship. Okay, well, uh, first of all, thank you guys so much for having me on. It's indeed a privilege and an honor to be on BAFA uh, with the Addisons. <laughs> um, well, I've, I've, I've been pastoring at North Dallas Community Bible Fellowship for the past um, 17 years. I started off as the youth pastor, was the youth pastor for about seven years, then transitioned on in various positions. Last position before senior pastor was the executive pastor. And then I became the senior pastor after a five-year transition plan, and I've been the senior pastor now for about eight years. Oh, wonderful. And so in that time, my goodness, um, I would imagine that you have observed a lot of things shifting in the culture that requires uh, the church to respond in ways that she has not responded before. Um, Talk about the vision that the Lord um, just really impressed upon your heart for your local congregation there, the congregation that the Lord has entrusted to your, your care? Yes, well, it has always been on my heart, right? Like every believer, how do I, how do I live an authentic Christian life? Like, Lord, like, what do you call me to do? Mm-hmm. And um, I didn't desire to be a senior pastor. I know some people, that's their desire. Mm-hmm. I didn't go to the seminary to become a pastor. I went to seminary to, to uh, help become, to work in a college arena, to help pastors, better be able to um, understand the scriptures for, for those who didn't, because I saw growing up in the uh, minority community that mm-hmm. uh, there wasn't a lot of strong biblical teaching. And so that's why mm-hmm. I was uh, going to college and then the Lord just opened this door. Um, and so here I am. And so one of my professors uh, told me um, before I became the senior pastor, because I was struggling with it. One of the things he said to me was don't view the, the pastoral position as you have seen, but view it as what God has called you to, because there is no one, one way to be a pastor. And I never mm-hmm. thought about that because I got used to the tradition of what I've mm-hmm. seen all my yeah. life growing up. You stand behind a pulpit, you preach, you hoop a little bit and so on and so forth. <laughs> well, I, was, right. I was never a hooper. I was never a hooper, um, mm-hmm. but I do like to sing, even though I can't. That's just another story. <laughs> um, so, so I was always like um, at the place trying to figure out, okay, Lord, what is it that I'm supposed to be doing? I truly love Christian higher education. And I believe that everyone should uh, live from a biblical worldview. Mm-hmm. So I sought to teach that. And what happened was my desire to become a Bible college president to help with the formation of Bible Institute. That's why I perceived that I was going to school. God said, no, he had other plans for me. And so mm-hmm. this professor helped me when he told me that the very thing that the Lord placed on my heart, I perceived that it was going and working at a Bible Institute when it potentially could be to develop what the Lord placed on my heart in the context of the church. And so I'm like, what? I never thought about that. 
And so that sent me down the spiral where we accepted the position when it was offered because we turned it down about five times. My <laughs> wife and I, we, we, we said, hey, uh, when I was first asked to become the senior pastor, I'm like, nah, ain't going to happen. And I said it for, for, several, for, for at least two and a half years. Um, we were being pursued for position, but I truly didn't want it. But after accepting it, I see what it is that the Lord has called me to. And mm-hmm. as I said before, I realized that the Lord was preparing me back then for something he had me to do now, but I was perceiving it yeah. to be something, but it was all based on what Mickey liked to say, his design. Mm. Mm. His design was for me to get the education to be able to do what he's called me to do now, but I couldn't see it back then. And so um, our church, after stepping into this position, the Lord has truly blessed us where he has given us the call to make disciples, but more so practically what does that look like in the everyday life of the church now when i say the church i'm not speaking of the corporate entity i'm speaking of the individuals Mm -hmm. what does that look like for the single mom what does that look like for the dad who's struggling being a father and a man what does that look like for our children and our youth what does that look like in education what does that look like at work like what does it look how how does it i mean like what does it mean to be a disciple of jesus christ and so we are endeavoring as a church to completely to reform everything we do to fall in line with one thing, making disciples. Amen. Now, this is, you know, this is interesting here, Pastor Dames, because I think that many people would look at the fellowship that the Lord has entrusted to your care and and they would say, job well done. And that, that would be purely based on numbers because it's a fairly mm. large congregation that that you oversee. And I think most people looking from the outside in Christian community would say, hey, great job, pastor. Like you're doing a great job. You've got you've got numbers. You've got people there. But I think we really miss the point of the church. We miss the point of why we gather, why we come together, why there are overseers, why there are elders, because the Lord is doing a work in us. It's not just that we are showing up, but it's, as you said, um, we were talking about this even this weekend. It is what does it mean for us to be the church? Talk about that just a little bit. You know, I almost wanted to uh, come to tears just now because as you said, that what went through my mind was what I preached on yesterday, the church at Sardis. Mm-hmm. Um, see, we have an American Christianity, an American gospel. This, what, it's sort of hard to explain, but when you grow up in a delusion, you tend to believe it hardcore. And so mm-hmm. we have a perception of the gospel that is just unbiblical. We have a perception of church that is just unbiblical. So, for example, success is having a lot of people in the church building coming and you have a charismatic pastor, you have an awesome praise team. The teaching is right at 28 to 30 minutes, so you get out on time to go home and watch the <laughs> football game. I mean, it's like the music is exactly at 15 minutes, but they have to be the celebrity singer. I, so, so all mm. that glitz and glamour, Jesus didn't have any of that. And I think about it. When you think about it, what we call alive, Jesus said to the church at Sardis, you believe that you are alive, but you are dead. Mm. And when you think about that, right, Christ coming and he's evaluating his own church and you have a mega church and he says, but you're dead. Like, Whoa. Mm, right. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, how would that go across? See, because we perceive that numbers mean something, but notice how, notice what God does. When Moses sent out the 12 spies, only two came back with a good report. When 
it was time for Gideon to go out. God says, eh, you got too many. You only need 300 or like 20,000, right? Jesus started off with 12 guys, and you know what happened with one of them, but 120 was following him at all times, including his family members, right? Um, but the crowd, you know, thousands of people were following. But what I found curious, if we use our measure of success based on being having a large congregation, Jesus was a failure mm. because he had a huge crowd. And it says, and many of his disciples left him because what he was saying was too difficult for them to understand. So mm-hmm. his disciples left because his teaching was too heavy. Oh, <laughs> come on. His, his teaching wasn't seeker-friendly. And so oh, because goodness. he wasn't preaching a seeker-friendly gospel, he said, this gospel wouldn't make a seeker come to you. As a matter of fact, it's going to turn your own household against you. Your mother wouldn't like you. Your father wouldn't like you. Your brother and sister wouldn't like you. I'm like, well, who wants to preach that? No. <laughs> See, today, we have to be, you know, uh, inclusive. We have to, and here's the strange thing. Churches are trying to be um, um, accepted by the culture, Mm-hmm. So they shape themselves to the culture mm-hmm. rather than understanding that they are light is obviously a repellent to darkness. Wherever mm-hmm. there is light, the darkness flees. Mm-hmm. But Amen. we want to dim our light to bring in the darkness, to attract the darkness, which I'm like, that's crazy. Right. We're on. not trying to attract darkness. We're trying to repel darkness so that individuals in the dark can see the light. Okay. Amen. Let me get off my soapbox. Let me get off my soapbox. <laughs> <laughs> but, no, it's so good. But, um, but when you ask the question, um, my heart just grieves because people do look at numbers. And mm-hmm. that same thing was at the church where I'm at now. As I told you guys before, one of the most difficult things in me being in a pastorate was going through a church split. And mm-hmm. the church split was, it's, it's like, it's crazy because I'm perceiving, right? I'm in church and I'm loving the guy and, and I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm loving the pastor before me. And he, he just decided I want things done my way. Right. Mm. And so he caused this split and whatnot. And it's like taboo folks sharing it. And I'll be like, Oh, he actually said that. Yes, man. I'm saying it. Uh, see, mm. because what has happened in this culture is we have set up men and elevated men in positions mm-hmm. that I have call themselves mm-hmm. pastors, not understanding. It's not your church, Joker. It belongs to Jesus. Okay. Amen. You, Amen. Jesus, Jesus didn't, t- Jesus didn't tell Peter, Peter, take care of your sheep. He said, no, take care of my sheep. Mm-hmm. But we have, I mean, we have believed that the people belong to us. So it's mm-hmm. our, it's my church. See, that's the problem. We don't understand that we are simply the managers who he's left. And he's coming back to say, what did you do with what I have given you? And so as an underservant of Christ Jesus, as an under-shepherd of Christ Jesus, it is so hard for me because the people want something, but Christ wants something else. And it's always that way with God's people. From, from, From the time of Israel to right now, the people always want something, and God always desires something else because God don't care about what you feel. He only cares about his holiness. And so he Amen. sets his standard, and the crazy thing is his standard was set before the foundation of the world, so it's not going to change, mm-hmm. right? And so that means we have to conform to him because he's not going to conform to us. Mm-hmm. And so, so one of so the most Pastor difficult Dames, things... Oh, yeah, go ahead. Let me, let me just ask <laughs> you this, though. No, because no, cause I, <laughs> as I'm just kind of trekking along, one of the things that comes to my mind, though, is the level of difficulty involved in teaching the truth in a, in a place where truth should be popular, but it isn't. Mm. 
okay, in a place where truth should be popular, but it isn't. You're teaching the truth, but you're also watching it dwindle the church. I almost I almost describe it as watching the Lord grow down the church, grow down the yes. church. It's like so the <laughs> remnant. Amen. Right. So so there is a yes. remnant that is revealed. I, I'm, I'm wondering if you can talk about how this should encourage other pastors who are teaching the truth. They are looking at what's going on. And so often it can be difficult and uncomfortable because they're getting pushback in a place where truth should be popular. People should be thirsting and hungering for truth and righteousness. But that's not normalized in the church context today. It's not. And so they're watching their church dwindle. But maybe what they should see is that God is growing down the church with a capital C. Yes, see, um, I would like to encourage all pastors to know this. The true under-shepherds of Jesus Christ. Here's what Jesus says. When you teach the word of God, the unadulterated truth, expositionally, expositionally, going from, from verse to verse, I mean, no matter how boring it may sound to the people, Jesus says this. It is not you who's drawing people to him. And that's a false mistake we make. We believe that we draw people. And if we're drawing people, that's because the people are following us and not Christ. Christ mm -hmm. says when we exalt him, he will draw to himself. And the thing that, that, that every pastor could be assured of, Jesus says this, my sheep hears my voice. And no, I know them. And when I call them, they follow me. And so if individuals reject the truth of the gospel, it's because they're rejecting Christ, not you. So mm -hmm. I know that the body of Christ belongs to him, and I cannot cast anyone out, nor can I bring anyone in. But mm -hmm. I can be faithful to teach his word that he may draw all men to himself. And in doing that, I, I say this, there's always the remnant in every church. And I praise God for the people who he has right now at North Dallas. I, I thank him so much for the elders who are there because we went through mm -hmm. a very serious and difficult time and so the people who are there now are there because they desire the word of god <laughs> the elders who are there right now is because they are they they love the word of god and and even though we all went through a season god is doing something that no man can ever take credit for including myself there is nothing mm -hmm. that i did um, um all of this is just by the grace of god Amen. Amen. I know that the break is going to grab us here, but I want to start to get into this and then um, maybe we can pick up with it on the other side of the break. I want to talk about discipleship as the antidote to the reception of uh, false doctrine. Like I, I think everywhere you look, there are deceptive doctrines of demons. Um, you've got plausible arguments that are taking people captive. And this is pervasive even among believers. We see this happening. We can call these things cultural occurrences, but really it's plausible arguments that exalt themselves. They, they seem just a little bit believable. Um, but I want to talk about why discipleship um, the strong application of the word of God, ongoingly teaching people how to discern, right? Um, I want to talk about how that becomes the antidote to what we see. And, I, and I'm not going to do, I'm not going to even have Pastor Dame start to respond to that because I know the break is going to grab us. So I'm just going to set up that question and maybe we can think about it during the break here and come back on the other side. Because one of the things that we can be certain of is that when we start to talk about cultural issues, people feel like, well, that's not, the church should not say anything about that. Mm. 
-hmm. people will say things like just preach the gospel and i'm like wait what is what is the message that you that you're acquainted with where the issues in the culture are not addressed through the preaching of the gospel right that right. those issues get excluded. So I want to talk about that on the other side of the break. This is Aaron the Addisons on American Family Radio. We'll be right back. Bill Thorne's where my crown was. I'll be weak, but I'm alive from the dust until dawn. Yeah, I'll survive because I got sweet Welcome back to Aaron the Addisons on American Family Radio. We really do appreciate you listening. I'm Miki. And I'm Will, and that's Triple E. Sweet victory. Pastor Teren Dames is uh, on deck here. We are talking about the church, the manifold wisdom of God revealed. The yes. manifold wisdom of God revealed. Like, this is not a small thing, right? <laughs> and somehow we have gotten so far away from um, what I believe the Bible lays out as God's intent and his design for the church that we've kind of got to reclaim that, and it becomes novel. When it's not, it's not novel, right? It's in the scriptures, but we've got to reclaim it because it's something that has been, um, that has been lost. So, so we're talking about discipleship just this past weekend, uh, mm -hmm. pastor dames and the North Dallas community Bible fellowship hosted a disciple life conference, yes. which was an incredible blessing. Yes. Oh my goodness. It was an incredible blessing. Um, it was wonderful to be able to be a part of it, but I, I'm wondering how discipleship is sort of that. I don't know if you call it a tool I think it's the directive of the church that now becomes the antidote to um, believing lies in the culture. Pastor Dames, your thoughts on that? Yeah, see, um, Mickey, it's, man, my heart just grieves because what has happened, I think you shared before how the church has grown up with America. Mm -hmm. And so Christianity in America has grown the two have grown together and it's like sort of like the thorns growing up with the tree. Mm -hmm. And now the life, um, the thorns is, is, is now choking the life out. Mm -hmm. um, it really hurts because I realized that most Christians, evangelical conservative, black liberal, no matter what label you want to put on them, the disagreements we have is based on our approach to culture when we are supposed to be um, living in a kingdom culture. Even though we're mm -hmm. on this earth, mm -hmm. we are told that we are not of this earth. Mm -hmm. What happened is we as believers, we have set up our dwelling place here. And so our priority, because we cannot see heaven, our priority is strictly earthly. This is why we have the ethnic problem that we have with individuals not liking each other because of melanin. This Come on is the now, problem Pastor we Dames. have where we have to now accept um, a, a social gospel a, or, or a social justice when there is God's justice that is still is established on righteousness and justice. That's another story. Mm. But this is why we have to accept another theory, <laughs> whether the Come theory is evolution, whether the theory is critical race, no matter what the theory is, we have a theology, but we accept theories. Now, here's the crazy mm. thing about theories can never be proven because <laughs> it's a theory. <laughs> right, right. That's why it's called a theory. Right. And so we prefer to live based on theory than practical theology. 
Mm. And that's the problem I'm seeing right now with discipleship because those who are supposed to be making disciples, seeking to make cultural disciples, individuals who more identify with what they believe than what the Bible teaches. Mm. So right. what does this look like too? <laughs> you said so much. There are so, there, there are so many lines that we could run a highlighter over and kind of double back to. Um, but I, I, I know that there are both pastors listening and, and lay people listening who are saying, so what does this look like in practice? So talk a little bit about what your local congregation is doing there in North Dallas, because you have responded Mm -hmm. practically to the push of the culture. So the culture is pushing in on the church and the church just keeps losing ground. Like I feel like the church kind of keeps taking a step back, but by God's grace, you're not doing that. You are actually pushing back, so to speak, on the culture in practical ways through North Dallas Community Bible Fellowship. What what are you guys doing? Well, first thing, God has called us to be stewards. Like everything that we have on this earth belongs to him. Mm-hmm. We have spent time as churches going to conferences and, mm-hmm. and finding out how do we come, how do we become a successful church? Like how do we become a growing church or a striving church? And in America, a growing church is the church that have the most people, except when you look at the book of Revelation, when Jesus came, eh, that didn't matter to him because those people mm-hmm. were the ones who were dead. Or those people mm-hmm. are the ones who left the, the love for him, even though they had the word. And so we have to be very careful in what we call success. So for us, what does it mean to make disciples? As you said at the outset, we may have to decrease in order for Christ to increase. Mm. And so our stewardship, understanding that as disciples, we're supposed to be faithful stewards. Well, one of the first major things we realized that we were in debt. Mm-hmm. Um, and why, why are we in debt? Because we desire to build things and to seat a lot of people and to, you know, <laughs> the successful church in America is the big church would have a lot of people on a Sunday morning. Yeah. Okay. So I'm like, wait a minute. But when you look at the scriptures, it never works. And it's like, look at Israel. The more success they had as a nation, the less they followed God. Mm. Look at the churches in Revelation. The more successful churches, those were the ones that Jesus had the big word against. Because we perceive success to be numbers. When God perceived, watch this, success to be the number of disciples. Because Mm. the disciples are the remnant. They are Mm. the ones who are going to hold true to the word of God. So what we're doing practically is we took our stewardship to say, you know what? Um, let's use our finances in the right way. Our mm-hmm. our school system is just filthy and perverted. And I'm tired of people saying, well, I grew up in the school system. And look at what it did for me. That's the problem. Mm-hmm. Look at you. Look in the mirror. <laughs> look at you. Stop you want people it. to look like that? Come on, man. See, 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 we have a tendency not to listen to Scripture. James says, take the mirror and turn it to yourself. Look mm-hmm. at yourself. Don't you see your religion is worthless if you are not living according to what you claim to believe? And Mm. so if I say that I believe that our children need to grow up in the fear and admonition of the Lord, but I'm sending them to an institution that's teaching them that there is no God, they evolved from monkeys, they came from nothing, they're going to nothing, and you can Mm. do any immoral thing with your body that you want to as a child, how can I then have them become the church on a Sunday morning and say, oh, I love me, Jesus, though? What? Come on. I'm, I'm literally sending them someplace else to be discipled. Mm-hmm. 
that, that, that doesn't make any sense right. because the school have them at least 48% of the time counting after school activities, before school mm-hmm. activities, and so forth, but we only have them for a certain amount of time. And then the parents, right. when they do have them, according to every research out there, the parents spend like about two and a half to three hours with their child a Come day. And, and that's on the high side, right? That's on the high side. And right. so what we're trying to do right now is do something that we should have done in the first place. Don't focus on a lot of people coming in your building. Focus on the, on, on the sheep of Christ Jesus that he's given to you. Amen. Take care of those sheep. And then you train those sheep to go out and to get more sheep, but they don't even necessarily have to come to you once they come to Christ. Mm. And that's the problem with churches. We believe that the church grows when more people sit down in the pew. No, the church grows when a lost person realizes that Yeshua HaMashiach is their Lord and Savior, repent, and come to him for forgiveness of sins. They now enter into the kingdom. The church grows. But we look at church growth as local congregation building more buildings. See, that's the problem. We need to be comfortable with 50 people, with 70 people. Why? Jesus only had 12. Disciple them. (laughs) <laughs> Let them change the world. Disciple them. Of course, you will always have a Judas. But don't worry about that. Peter is there. He, he makes up for Judas. <laughs> Man, you know what you're saying right now, though, Pastor Dames, I think is really revolutionary. It shouldn't be, but it's really revolutionary. And I think it's because we're kind of coming out of the ashes of the church growth models and the church growth strategies. And mm. those things were wrongly like when it was written, you know, so you have a book or you have a manual church growth and the C and church is capitalized and it shouldn't have been. Because it was not talking about the church at large. What you're talking about today is you're talking about the ecclesia. You're talking about the called out ones. You're talking about those of us who are the church, right? So when we talk about church growth, we are talking about people crossing over from dark to light. We are talking about them coming from death to life. And that's not often what is in the purview of a person who is talking about church growth. So I want to go, I want to toggle back to um, the practicals. I want to talk about what you're doing there, because as you alluded to, you talked about um, where we are sending our kids and, and you mentioned just briefly some of the impediments to parents who are trying to pull their kids out but your local fellowship is responding in practical ways. And so one of the things that you've set before the church is to reduce the debt, reduce the overhead of the church, uh, position the church to be what God designed the church to be, but to also rescue children from this government system that is robbing them of their innocence and dragging them, not even kicking and screaming because they're defenseless. This government system is dragging them away from the Lord Jesus. Talk practically for a few moments about what you guys are doing there at North Dallas. Oh, thank you, Mickey. So yes, we, we didn't reduce the debt. We got out of debt. We have none. Amen. Um, <laughs> and, 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 and God, with that, has given us the resource now to do practical ministry, not worrying about incurring debt again, because that's one of the first things that we said. We are not going to incur debt again. But also, when we move into a new facility, because we're looking at moving into a different facility, um, mm-hmm. uh, when we do this, the goal is we will be starting a daycare to make sure that we have some place for our children to start to be nurtured. Then we're going to move into a K through third grade and add a grade every year or probably two grades every year. But we're looking at um, different models of how we disciple our children, either through classical education or through a hybrid, um, Mm -hmm. developing a Christian schools, making it conducive for homeschoolers. And so Mm -hmm. every single form of Christian education that's out there 
we're going to house it all. So if homeschoolers mm-hmm. want to come to take classes like a co-op, they can. If folks want their kids in the school um, five days a week, it's going to be there. But it's not going to be like a Christian school, where it's a Christian and title, but, you know, you just take the world curriculum and just put Christian on top of it. Come no, on. It's, come on. It's going to be... Is going to be teaching Pythagoras theorem from Jesus's perspective, right? So, mm. how did Pythagoras get his theorem? Because God gave him the wisdom, God mm-hmm. gave him the understanding, God designed math- mathematics, and then, of course, you teach them the theorem. And so, it's it's like teaching that education in America came out of the church. Education in America came from the church. Right. Look at Harvard and Brown and and Yale, and look at all these places. Look. Look at their mission statements. When they were first started, they started like as Bible colleges and so forth. And That's so right. what has happened that we we have allowed secular humanists to now take over the reins of education that the church once had. And we're now placing our children in the hands of secular humanists, believing that they're going to give them godly values. Come on. <laughs> well, Come on. We all know that that's a lie. So right. you can't send them into Babylon and tell them become Israelites. No, if you go to Babylon, you're going to become a Babylonian. That's just what it is. And right. so we have to stop just living under this rock of, well, this is how it was when we grew up. I'm sorry, but you, you're grown, okay? In a completely different time era. Y'all didn't have cell phones. Like, right. I didn't know what a cell phone was growing up, okay? Now... Right. Babies have cell phones, man. Babies right. can operate computers better than we can. Right. So I was like, we need to get with it. We need to get with it. Man, Pastor Dames, but the thing that I love about this, and I think that, and I don't want, I don't want this to be overlooked. The thing that I love about this is that you are mobilizing believers like God has entrusted this congregation to you and you are mobilizing believers. There are so many impediments. You've got moms who are like, wait a minute, I I don't want to lose my kids, but I I don't know what to do. Well, rather than you sending them on on their way and saying, you know, be warm and well fed, you're actually meeting the practical need. You're saying, well, hold on a second, because we've got a culture that's waiting in the wings. They're saying, oh, we will we'll train your kids. Right. But you now are saying, no, the church is in position. The church is in a unique position to be able to give aid. Right. And so what is that aid that is required in this hour? It is to be able to have a place where kids can be educated, where God is first, where theology is paramount, where we are not looking at the things of God as an afterthought and just kind of putting it as icing on top of secular humanism. And so this is what your church is doing. My question for you, we're running out of time here. How has this been received by your congregation? Uh, God is good. God is good. For the most part, um, the congregation is overwhelmingly receptive. We always have those who you have to win over and those who are like in middle and those who are like, nah. Um, but, <laughs> sure. but notice the congregation belongs to Christ. And so I don't have to do the persuading. The Holy Spirit does. God promised me this. Once I am faithful to teach his word, he will be the one who draws the people. So I'm not trying to draw you. I'm just going to be faithful to what Christ has called us to do. So the congregation, for the most part, they're loving it, right? Um, But a lot of work has has to be done because we have Mm -hmm. to look at all the avenues, single parents, single moms, single yeah. fathers, yeah. grandparents taking care of grandkids. I mean, there's all sorts of things we have to look at. Um, 
before school programs, after school programs, apprenticeship programs, because I don't believe we should just send kids off to school just because they're 18 to go to these secular institutions to de-Christianize them. I think we should then look at partnering with Bible colleges like Moody Bible Institute and Dallas Seminary in different places. But, But we need to be able to not just look at one aspect of the life of the family, but the entire aspect from from childhood to adulthood what does the discipleship process look like and how do we make sure we're growing up spiritual giants that will that will run into the culture like Hananiah, Michelle and Azariah and Mm. even though they throw them in the fire they ain't gonna get burned come on like a pastor James thank you so much for joining us today as our listeners can hear You'll be back on a fairly regular basis to talk more about this. We can do no less than what has been described today. We're out of time. Until tomorrow, Lord willing. God bless.